listening to the Poster Boy Podcast. Our mission is to help young entrepreneurs in small-town America start, grow, and manage 21st century businesses. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, this is Chad. Hey, and this is Drew. Today, we have another quote. Chad, what's that quote for today? Okay, so our quote today is, you have everything you need to build something far bigger than yourself by Seth. I think it's Godin or Godin. I'm not really sure, Drew. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've heard it as Godin, or at least I've always said it to myself as Godin. But e- but either way, Seth is uh, is pretty inspirational, and he's had, my goodness, he's had a long-standing blog. You know, if you're if you're just getting into the entrepreneurial circles or you've been reading for some time, then you definitely know who Seth is. And this this quote by him doesn't surprise me whatsoever, because you've got you've got everything you need to build something far bigger than yourself. Chad, I'd be curious what you know, what is what does this mean to you? It was funny because as I was as as you were talking, I was thinking about the quote and it makes me think about just where I grew up and. I grew up in such a small part of the world and I was very naive to a lot of the world. And at the same time, I had all the tools I needed to assemble all of the pieces to do anything, you know, and today what I've been able to build is far greater than anything I ever anticipated in my life. And, you know, assuming that we continue on this trajectory and, you know, we have this is just a blip year, the next couple of years are hopefully it can grow even bigger and healthier and better than it is today. But at the end of the day, it's it's a true statement. I mean, you and I both know, you know, to be, to be in business is not like playing in the NBA where it, it really helps to be seven foot tall and muscular and athletic. To be, to be in business, yeah. you really don't have to have too much. <laughs> no, you could actually be quite the opposite. <laughs> as we know. Yep, as we know. You know, to me, that seems like you look at these quotes and you think to yourself, man, did like, did this guy sit here and think to himself, I'm going to write a quote that will now be quoted. <laughs> you know, like you, you would have yeah. to imagine that this, he was maybe perhaps quoted as saying this in response to someone else, maybe saying something like, you know, like, oh man, I have to, I have to go out and get a $2 million loan or, you know, like I, I've just, I'm waiting to start my business until the time is right. Or, you know, like I'm not, I'm not tall enough, you know, like to me, it seems like this is the ultimate answer to every excuse that says the time isn't now and you don't have everything you need in front of you, at least to start. Like this is that period at the end of that sentence. I mean, Drew, is the time ever right? Does it ever Man, feel right? No, you know? No, no. Like it, not it for doesn't. kids, not for business. <laughs> I mean, not yeah, to I die. Mean, truly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It yeah. just never feels like the timing you very rarely in life go, man, that was perfect timing. I mean, like very rare. And especially when it comes to starting a business, because a business is very much a part of your life. And building a company is like having another child. And you have to, you're going to get out of it exactly what you put into it. If you neglect your child and you do not teach them to read and you do not work with them and do those things, then you will see those results. Whereas if you put the time and energy and effort into anything, you will see those, you will see the the fruits of those labor of that labor. I'm struck by, you know, the baby analogy is so real. And I, I think there's so many blog posts out there now, and I think it's for the better, you know, that talk about the myth of entrepreneurship, like you're, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna strike it big and you know, you're, uh, you know, day one, and it's not going to be painful. And I love those, those graphs where it says, you know, like entrepreneurship is a, it's not linear. It's this wild, chaotic, up and down squiggly line, you know, just like our last podcast, you know, was all about like, 
I don't think you're ever really there until maybe you've grown the business to where someone else is working it for you. And then you've, then you're at a next level of business and you've got your own problems. Like it's not a, there will never be an endpoint, at least from my perspective, there'll never be an endpoint. It gets super easy because your challenges always keep changing. I know, as we've said in the past, the idea that there's always a perfect time to start is probably going to set you up for failure in the first place. I'm going to start here. And I know that precisely three weeks later, I will be here and that I know that this will happen and everything will go smoothly. There will never be a virus that devastates the US economy. Um, (laughs) Every employee I hire will be the exact one that will work with me for the next 30 years. You know, like, like, it's as unrealistic to say that now is not the right time as to say that everything else after today will go perfectly smooth. Well, something you just pointed out, you know, how the challenges continue to change and they, they always do. We've been blessed, you know, you and I both to be able to be surrounded by people that have, you know, blown the successes that we've had out of the water. And, you know, you see that you're right. It's not, there's not really an end point. And even for, for anyone, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, Drew, and if we've ever really touched on it on the podcast, but there's a, a book that I really love and it's called Happier. And it really studies happiness. And just to kind of sum up the, you know, the, the primary portion is that they basically say there's three levels of happiness for a human. Okay. And so one is short-term happiness, which is like goal oriented. So it's graduating high school and then you go through this moment and then it's like, oh shit, what do I do tomorrow? You know, and then you have this other one where it's like, oh, I'm going to retire. And it's like, you know, all these little, like these goals that you achieve and then they're great in the moment, but then the moment fades and then it's like, uh oh, now what do I do? And then you have middle term happiness, which is is called being in the zone. So it's like if you let's say you love to play baseball or you're on a, a men's softball team or something or whatever, you have something you love to do and like golf. And whenever you go out and you do it, time seems to just disappear. You don't focus on anything else, you know, and maybe it's just playing with your kids and you just don't think about anything but that. So that's called middle term happiness because it can be achieved more frequently. And uh, but again, a temporary. OK. And they say that the only way to achieve long-term happiness is to be a part of something greater than yourself. Okay. And I think that that's what makes entrepreneurship so amazing and so incredible is because you can kind of navigate your own path and you have an opportunity to build something. And to me today, I mean, you know, with the poster company that we've built alone, it's, it's kind of a weird word, but it's almost like a religion. You know, we just all eat, sleep and breathe it and we love it. And our conversations revolve around it. And we drive everybody that's not in it crazy by talking about it. And it's it's just so funny to see how our lives have evolved all because of, you know, we decided that we were going to do this. We were going to give it everything we had. And, you know, I mean, I say we, but, you know, in the beginning, it was me. I was going to give it everything I had and and I wanted to see it through. And today, if you had asked me if we had gotten to, you know, where we are today, millions of dollars a year and, you know, just all over the country, I would have considered that to be the ultimate success. But now that we're here, well, now I see bigger, I see a bigger future and a different future. And now I'm working on building that. And once I get there, there will be a different one, you know, and, and that's what's so fun about it. And you see people like, you know, Peter, Peter Folio, he, you know, he sold and got out and made lots and lots of money. And he doesn't just sit on the sidelines. It's like he could have retired years and years and years ago, but he doesn't do it because that's not, that's not what makes life fun. I mean, life can be pretty boring if you allow it to be. Completely agree. Coming from a, a longtime company man, uh, absolutely. How, how, how boring it is to, to commute an hour one way every day, sit in a cubicle, be told when to go to lunch, and then be allowed to go home. 
man, that's that's not exciting, right? I mean, and but but to to build a company, to there's two layers here, right? Like not everyone will be an entrepreneur. Like their companies need people to do the work. But if you're gonna build a company, that it's almost your responsibility to make a place that has that sense of excitement that other people know that it's going to be bigger than themselves and that there's something always happening there. And, you know, back on this concept of you have everything you need to build something far bigger than yourself now, the same can be said to you, Chad, at this point in your business a decade later, me at my point in my business one year in, and someone who is right on the edge of thinking that it's time to start. You know, and what's amazing about humans is they have great excuses. I mean, I would say if humans are really good at one thing collectively, it's coming up with excuses as to why they didn't oh, yeah. get things done. You know, what do they say? <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the greatest, what do they say? The, the most wasted thing in the universe is potential. It's crazy to see that. And, you know, Drew, speaking of potential being wasted, uh, you and I recently were having a conversation that I'd like to touch on and talk about the potential is in the world right now that people are not seeing that's that's falling, that's the productivity levels of the world and all of these things that are changing. And I'd like for you to just give a few stats that you've found and come up with. And look, they're not by any means spot on. We're not, you know, citing them, but just just take some of this into consideration. It's pretty incredible. I mean, as of August 6th, 2020, you know, five, six, seven months into COVID-19. If you're listening to this, there's a high likelihood that you're someone who has recently become, what's the term, furloughed, uh, unemployed. It's a desperate time that we live in. It's so desperate, in fact, that file for unemployment is in the 26 million. That's just unemployment. That's not people who maybe for some whatever reason in their business couldn't file for unemployment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, are we talking, is there really 30 million, 40 million human beings? who no longer have a dedicated source of income or insurance there's no next step and so if you if you think about yes many of those unemployed were perhaps those who you know don't come from corporate america but but regardless of what those backgrounds were that is i i think i think if you look at just imagine 15 million people in corporate america working 40 hours a week that is now 600 million hours a week that is no longer in the marketplace. 600 million hours of productivity, of uh, accounting, of marketing, of filing paperwork, of serving people at a restaurant, like 600 million hours. Brainstorming, like everything. Yes, of, <sighs> of p- potential innovation. So I would say... And this is like, and we can play with this number and think about its impactfulness. But what strikes me is, is that now not 600 million hours of potential innovation in the marketplace? 600 million hours of people doing something that changes the global economy, that starts a business for themselves. Like to me, the people fight for 40 hours in a week to get things done. What, what could we do as a, the human race with 600 million hours? just in a week. Well, and what's so amazing about that, Drew, is it it's also a great explanation as to why we are where we are today and how efficient we are. We have created so many hours of work and we've we've made working just such a big part of of your life. We get so much done and we innovate so much and you're right. 
now there's 600 million hours of potential innovation that's that can be focused entirely on what all of these people want to focus on. You and I both know if you're working on something you love or you're working on something that you care about, it's like for me in school, if I was if I had to go to theology, I really didn't pay too much attention. But if I went to entrepreneurship or operations management, I was very engaged, right? So now you're talking about not only those 600 million hours of people that could apply it to, to being innovative and creating new jobs, new businesses, new things. These are, these are 600 hours of dedication to things you want to do, which you will be probably, I don't know what the numbers are, but again, you could be 10 times more productive focusing on things you love. I mean, yes. can you imagine what can happen with innovation and, and people and the amount of time that's available right now? I mean, look, it's not like there aren't investors willing to invest in great ideas. They're always looking for great ideas. And most people right now prefer to invest in the private sector over anything else just due to the uncertainty of the you know, of the public companies right now. And I think, man, so many, all it takes is is some simple idea and to show that you're an expert at it and you're willing to put in the work and the effort and the energy and man, just so much. How many people uh, during the, I mean, you know, like I, I, I tried moonlighting, you know, moonlighting is that concept of working full time and then starting your side hustle, you know, and like holding back and then thinking to yourself, oh, you know, like when it picks up, I'll finally start. I, I hope and pray and, and wonder at pure curiosity. Now these people, it, it, it can't be their, their side business. Now they have the time and the availability to do this full time because their full time employment is no longer in the way. Like it, it could be the greatest shove of all time. I, I might even suggest that this might be the, the output of this. And I'm sure the government isn't really talking about this that much. This could be the greatest inflection point for entrepreneurship in a decade, in decades, right? I mean, we've got technology in front of us, moderate access, or maybe you might have a comment on access to capital. Starting an internet business is $19.99 a month. If you want to get a Wix website or Squarespace or whatever, Uh, Facebook, you know, social media is free. Like we have everything at our disposal to start a business. And the thing that people lacked was time before because they had to commute, they had to go to their jobs. I think with as much available time for innovation that people might have among the 600 million collective hours of potential innovation, uh, how how can we not find the next Facebook out of this time frame? How how is there not going to be the next e-commerce product or vehicle or my confidence and my my feeling about the American spirit about what humans can do when they're put up against the ropes? We're going to come out of this and we're going to look at this time as something that changed everybody, but hopefully for the better. Well, you know, and I think I think the unemployment stimulus that was given out also because the two things that stop people from doing it are not just time. The other one's money because they all think that they need so much money to start a business, which is not true at all. But at the same time, they were most people were being supplemented more money than they were making at their current job. Not only did they have more money than they had before, but now they have more time than they had before. So they're not carrying that stress load. And I think it's really, you know, I'm going to share a lady who who works with us, who I feel very privileged to know and work with. She's outstanding. And she's helped us um, with event booking in ways that we never imagined. Okay. And uh, during this COVID time, we, we didn't have any events to book. Okay. And so she's very innovative, very creative, very handy. And she decided to take some of her money and invest it in buying little campers that needed rehabbing. Okay. So at first she was interested in in real estate and she thought about that and 
Um, she realized it was just too much of a commitment, too much money she needed up front. She didn't have that kind of money. And then she um, she thought about a few other things. And then she settled on buying a camper, just one that needed cosmetic upkeep, and then flipping it. And so she had a very specific type of camper. She did a bunch of research online. She wanted a pop-up so she could put it in her garage. And funny thing is, she found some online. And by the way, Drew, we're going to have uh, we're going to have her on. Her name is Karis. We're going to have her on in the next uh, couple of weeks to share an update on her story. And she can really go into detail. But I, I will tell you because her and I have talked quite a bit about it. So she she went online and found a camper and she put a bid on six different campers online. Okay, so now to give you guys an idea of the pricing point, uh, she paid I think for the first one twelve hundred dollars. Okay, and she did some research and she figured out that if it looked good, she would be able to get about uh, twenty five hundred to twenty eight hundred, maybe even a little more out of it. Okay, and so she thought it was a great way, and she was going to try and do one per month just to add a little bit of side income to her thing. And so she puts a bid out on six of these, and and actually like almost all six of them accept her bid. And she's like, "Oh my god! I, first of all, I don't have enough to buy six of them." And second of all, I don't even have a tow hitch on my car, so I can't even pick one of these things up. Okay, she thought it was going to be way harder to buy one. She calls this one guy and he agrees to drive it to her house and put it in her garage for her because she doesn't have a way to pull the thing. And so somehow, some way, again, she gets on the phone. She, um, her and her fiance, they, uh, they talk to this guy and the guy brings it out, drops it off to him. And so she spent a week putting in, I think we talked about it and she had made a few mistakes. Okay. And, and, and I'll let her share those later about some of her mistakes, but she put in about probably $100 in the renovation. Okay. Because she knows how to do upholstery and she can paint and she can put flooring in. She did some basic flooring and a little bit of a, a few other things and cleaned the outside, used her kids to help out. And sure enough, turns this thing around. And I mean, I, I would love to post the before and afters, you know, on our site so people can see this because it was truly outstanding and so innovative. And she did it all with $1,250, you know, $1,200 to get it and 50 or maybe 1300 bucks total. And, and she can confirm all that when she's on here. And, you know, now she's created something that I think she has listed for 2800 bucks. And, you know, I think she just listed her first one today. And so, you know, I think once she sells it, it'd be great to get her on here to, to, to share some of that with, you know, that just shows the innovation that comes from exactly everything you've been talking about. Yeah, no, I, I cannot wait to grill her to see you know, <laughs> from, from mindset to how she did it, because like that is that is one example of something so interesting that I honestly, I would have never thought of doing something like that. But that probably came out of a, I'll have to ask her, did that come from a passion? Was it something she knew about? Was it just the, the culmination of different skill sets that it just made sense to apply it to a particular thing? To me, it's fascinating looking at these numbers of potential innovations um, out there that might arise from this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me a random business, just such a random business, something I may not have ever heard of. Okay. Container farm. Okay. What, what is a container farm? I, okay, so it's it's so random that you ask this. It's so random. I think of this, but I'm so I'm looking at my front yard out here, and I have a lot of space out here. Okay, and um, I've always said that I thought a really fun idea. I come from the farming world, by the way. I have no interest in farming. I just I throw that out there. But I did grow up in that area of the world, and it's in my family. We all did it. But container farms are when you take a container, like a Chinese container, you know, a forty foot container, you build like a hydroponic farm inside where you grow fruits and vegetables locally, and you can grow them. And you can control the climate. 
24 hours a day and you can put UV lighting in it and you can grow stuff around the clock all year uh, without needing pesticides because you can prevent bugs from being inside of them. Okay. And so what's really cool is if you look at the economic output of a container farm on an acre basis, you can take, you can take a container farm and you know, look, this, this, this takes more money than, than planting seeds. But at the same time, you could put these container farms and a lot of them, you could, I don't, I don't know this. Okay. I'm going to say this. I do not know this for it to be a fact, but I'm pretty sure there are so many containers that come from China. You could probably get people to give these to you. Okay. Um, because <laughs> yeah. there's so many of them that come today and, and I don't know what they do with them. They probably scrap them or something. But anyhow, if you were to put a handful of these in one acre, the output of that acre would be so much more effective and efficient. And I actually believe that in the future, this vertical farming is what you're going to see a lot of these large manufacturing warehouses and spaces that are used today. And even, even maybe some places like JCPenney and, and these big things like this, as they start, you know, more things start shifting online. I can see vertical farming being a huge way of the future because if you think about it, you can source everything locally and you can eliminate, you know, and, and especially right now with the COVID situation and all of that, you can eliminate the spread of disease where like a prime example, Chipotle, they're, they're so great. And, you know, we mentioned them a lot because they're just such a good company, but they locally source their produce and most people aren't aware of that. So they'd started doing that because of an E. coli or whatever it was called outbreak they had. They were getting stuff from one spot and whenever they shipped it all over the country, that outbreak was devastating. But now that they source locally, whenever they have an outbreak, it's it's very much controlled. And it's actually brilliant. And I think that if you were to put and start utilizing on the outskirts of suburbs and in smaller towns, you were to put vertical farms in a certain area, I think you could take and build. And, and I think you could do the first one relatively inexpensive. I think if you were resourceful and you were willing to do the research and find it, you could find one and, and do some research on hydroponics and water and UV lighting. I don't think it's that hard. I think you would put solar panels on the top of it, put it out in a wide open field. You'd have energy to light your, your UV lights at nighttime and during the daytime. And I, I really believe it's something that is worth looking into. Man, well, Sorry. one, no, no. Okay, so I'm going to say three things there. One, okay. that, that is, um, of course, a, a entrepreneur would think so deeply about this. Two, someone who's not in a rural area, someone who has zero background in, in farming, or understands, you know, restaurant supply chain mechanics will never would never have the exposure or the the idea. The third point is, if you come from a farming background, if you come from a a restaurant supply chain background, you've got some of this knowledge. So the the point I'm trying to make is, there are a good percent of people right now who have been laid off or furloughed who bring with them knowledge about an industry that they know that there's areas to innovate. There's no need to say to yourself, well, you know, currently I'm a lawyer, but I want to get into uh, pottery, pottery making or basket weaving, right? Like it's okay staying in, in your domain if you've got so much experience with that and going out and selling yourself, particularly if you are a doer in that. For those who are, you know, who are going to start college or who maybe come from a retail background who, who don't, you know, maybe have experience in something that they perceive as marketable, I think now is the time to start exploring those things that interest you. So, I mean, my, my, my wife who, you know, every so often she tells me she wants, you know, she's interested in a new job. And I tell her, if you're looking for something that's different, you're, you'll never know what's out there until you explore how different industries are. And the beauty of the industry that I'm in, in, in marketing yeah. uh, right now, I, I, I see it all. Like I, I have a customer who's a venture capital firm. I have a customer, uh, a pasta company. 
uh, a customer that is a financial firm. Like there are so many different industries out there that sometimes whenever I'm doing discovery calls, I'm asking them about their business out of simple curiosity. Like how, <laughs> how does your business work? Like tell me more. And so I know so much more about so many businesses. I would never have thought two things about that business that you just described. But if there are people right now who have been laid off or who are thinking about starting a business, that is, there you go. There's a free one from Chad. There, there, is, another, there is another business. This is super niche, um, kind of similar to what you do, Chad, which is they, uh, it's a medical label printing company. So my, my brother actually worked there about seven years ago. There's not a large market for it, but it's a very captive market where there are companies whose only job is to print medical labels for bottles. And the margin on those, I'm talking about 300 to 500% to print, to print a label. If you come from that industry and you have the means to acquire a printing company, I hope you become the company that fired you's competition. Because if you bring that knowledge and if you can have access to this and you feel entrepreneurial, then do it. And, and it just, just this all goes back to one, the higher level that like you're, it's never going to be perfect. And if you want something, you've just got to go get it. Two, that right now there is so much available innovation in the marketplace. I'm just floored and excited to see what comes from this. Well, another one, uh, really quick, Drew, just to piggyback off of it. So, a girl that's worked with me for years, uh, her and her sister started selling these, uh, they started selling sprouts. Okay. And they went in and did all the, you know, the medical research on them, how healthy they are. You can re- you put them in, in all honesty, we put them in our Chipotle bowls if you, if you really want to know, but you can put them on avocado toast and all sorts of things. And they found, uh, you know, a supplier to buy them from. And it's, it's so amazing how innovative people can get whenever they just take the time to do it. And it, it's not as hard as you think. But that's really what I think it, it's this. Seems like this world of like a secret society, but it's not because everyone who's an entrepreneur loves to help other people. It's not like you look at everyone as competition and anyone that looks at people as competition, they're not people you really want to work with anyway. I mean, this world is big enough for all of us and it's big enough for every time a new company happens, there is more money created and there are more jobs created. And so it's so important now more than ever for this to to happen. And, you know, it it just uh, last touching on that on the vertical farm, by the way, you know, I I don't want to oversimplify that. But if it's someone that's interested in it, I promise you, I think it's the future. I firmly believe that all my heart. And uh, I think it's uh, just a very fun and innovative way. And Drew, I haven't thought about vertical farming in a a minute. And so, you know, you got me. I'm all excited again about thinking about it. (laughs) Well, I, I hope from this podcast, we single-handedly changed the global economy through vertical <laughs> <laughs> And I will expect- Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And, you know, who knows? I mean, you never know down the road what can happen. But I have uncles that are, you know, in farming. And I always say, like, it, again, it goes back to just like we were talking about in our last podcast, Drew, we were talking about working with our competition, or maybe it was two podcasts ago. But one of the things that they found out about me really quick is that I am all about creating the future. You know, I'm all about being the best and anyone in farming today, if you do not recognize that you can a eliminate think of the efficiencies that happen when you have a a farm that's not exposed to the outdoor elements. Yes. Think of what happens there. It yeah. changes everything. So Chad, how how do we inspire people. You know, I, I think that this has been 
you know, to me, a, a, a significant and profound podcast today, just the revelations of the numbers of innovations that really excite me. Uh, but for those out there, you know, to, to reiterate, you have everything you need to build something far bigger than yourself, dot, 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 now. What, what words of encouragement do you have for those? And what do you think a good proactive next step is for, for an entrepreneur listening to us today? Uh, great question. I think, <laughs> I think the, the most important step is to realize how, how simple and how accurate this, this quote is. Okay. You do have everything you need to build something far bigger than yourself, because if you don't physically know it, you have something that they didn't have in the past. You have the internet, you have YouTube, you have Google, you have all sorts of resources. You have Wikipedia. You have so many things at your disposal. You have the ability to email a million different people. And, you know, some people will respond to you. you can reach out to people that you admire, you want to work with things like that are experts in the industry to see if they'll talk to you because you're, you'd be surprised at how many people will help you. But at the end of the day, any limitation that you have, you personally have access to a way around it or to a solution because you have the internet, because you have all of these these resources and every so much knowledge is readily available. You no longer need to be an expert in an industry. You no longer have to have, you know, decades of experience to work on something. It's, it's not how it is today. You know, through the, the likes of virtual reality, doctors are learning, you know, they're, they're able to perform surgery on 100 patients or 1,000 patients before they ever leave medical school without risking anyone's life. Whereas in the past, we had to test on humans and cadavers and you know, it's just everything is changing and you have so much access now to everything you need. And it's it's I'm not going to say it's easier or it's harder. It's just a different world today. And so being innovative means understanding what opportunities are in front of you, understanding where you want to commit your life and where you want to commit your time and energy. And once you decide that, you know, like prime example, they've decided to commit their time, which is also their money, which came from time into specific area. And why? Because A, they probably know a lot about it. So they understand if it can work or if it can't. And, you know, the, the list goes on and on. But at the end of the day, they found something they really enjoy, they trust, they understand, and they're putting their money behind it. And that's exactly what any entrepreneur does. They invest in something they understand that they believe in that they're willing to commit their time and their life to. And so I would say, you know, start there. So next week, uh, I, will, I will finish this up with our quote. So next week, our quote will be, if you want something you've never had, then you've got to do something you've never done. This has been another episode of the Poster Boy Podcast, brought to you by utproducts.com. Find and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at theposterboybook.com to grab your copy of the book.